0: So welcome everybody to Utah in the Weeds. Chris Hollifield and I, my name is Tim Pickett. I am a medical cannabis expert with utahmarijuana.org. You can find our podcast on utahmarijuana.org slash podcast. And Chris, we're doing the intro a little different this week to episode 43, right? Absolutely. I think this way will be a lot easier because then,
1: because a lot of times we chat with people a few weeks back, right? But there's a lot more right. topical stuff that we want to bring up. At the beginning, like right now, I realized delivery is available everywhere. It's not just Utah County and Salt Lake County. Did you see this, Tim?
0: No. Well, absolutely. We have uh, we sent out an email to all of yeah. our our patients and all of our email list a few days ago about okay. Wholesome delivery. Yeah. And there's a there's a coupon code if you sign up for the email list on UtahMarijuana.org. There's a coupon code that you can get your first delivery free. No kidding. When you register th- using that coupon code. So yeah, this is exactly why I think having a timely intro yeah. is a good idea. So where can they get this coupon code? How can they find this? Is this on utahmarijuana.org? Yeah, utahmarijuana.org. Sign up for the email list. If you just sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the website or anywhere, and if you're already a patient, of course, you're going to get this email coupon code. But but yeah, if you sign up with us, then we'll be able to send you that unique coupon code for your first delivery free. Take it, advantage it's of that. Because, I mean, they have delivery in, I think, Summit County, in Utah County. They're really branching out.
1: It was like Tooele, Wasatch. I mean, it sounds like pretty much the whole state now is open.
0: They're going to open so. to the whole state. And Chris Jeffries, the CEO of Wholesome, who we interviewed in one of our first episodes with Richard, their their um, retail uh, manager, their retail director, their background is in home delivery. So they're going to be really good at it. Dude, who who doesn't
1: want their cannabis delivered to their doorstep, right? But uh, who who's on the podcast today, Tim?
0: The guest we have today is Kyle Egbert. I'm really excited about this interview. I did not know a lot about the types of uh, processing that you could do with hemp or cannabis. And we talked a lot about that with him. And he gave us some samples. Remember the the CBD cartridge. Have you oh, been yeah. using that a little bit?
1: Actually, I have. I, the, the liquid, that syringe one he gave us to put on the, um, and we talk about this in the episode where he says, put it on your dry flower when you vape it. I've only been using that. So
0: Yeah. And I've only been using the cartridge. Okay. And for the first time, I've had a cartridge that really is buffering. That's how I describe it. So I'm excited about people listening to this episode, learning about uh, that process, and he makes some really good stuff. He's a, He's got a cool story. Absolutely. We're going to get into that. He's the founder
1: of Mountain Va- Valley Botanicals and My Clean Leaf. Great story. I mean, this guy's got a – he's he's a knowledge basket. I mean, he's, he's a book of knowledge with, with CBD and cannabis and all that. We're going to get into that. Make sure you're subscribed in whatever uh, podcast outlet you're listening to this in. If you can't find this in a certain podcast outlet – Let Tim or myself know so we can make sure this podcast becomes available. I don't know. I don't have anything more to say about this episode, Tim. I think we should get into that conversation with Kyle unless you got anything more to say.
0: Nope. Good luck. Have fun. All
1: right. Thanks guys for listening. Here we go. You're involved a lot with him. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you got My Clean Leaf and uh, Mountain Valley Botanical. Yeah. Do those work together or are those separate? It looks like they kind of work together. Yeah. So,
2: uh, Mountain Valley Botanical started in 2019. That's when I first um, received a processing license. It was probably about November, December. And then we processed all last year doing supercritical CO2 extraction. Uh, and then with I don't know how familiar you guys are with the hemp market and that side of things. I'm not not as much as I should be. Well, as far as as far as the materials, the prices on the materials. You know, a liter of crude when I first started was probably oh gosh, of crude probably thirty two five thirty two hundred to five grand. Is this what is you could crude sell it for. CBD oil. That is crude. Yeah, I mean, it's got the fats and the waxes. Oh, this is, pretty oh, much this got is everything basically
0: just, just you just squished, right out of the squished machine. hemp.
2: Yeah. Essentially. Okay. And then um, the market really tanked bad. I mean, it was 90% loss on the market. So now a liter of crude, I could pick that up easy, 135 bucks.
0: Holy cow.
2: So because of that, we had to adapt our business. Um, we were always interested in doing products, retail products, uh, and consumer stuff, which is what I brought here. Uh, we were always interested in doing that. But then, really, when the market shifted, in that direction, it was a no brainer for us to start producing retail products and get that out to the consumer.
0: Because you were originally just going to process.
2: Yep. Process and sell that, get it out to someone else that was going to make a, a product out of it.
0: So we've had a few uh, like hemp growers on the, on the podcast, yes. but we really haven't talked a lot about the processing mm-hmm. and CO2 extraction. Yeah. Can you, Can you educate us a little bit about the different methods of extraction and like why you chose CO2? Because I think it's important for people to understand.
2: So before I talk about CO2 extraction, most of the consumer base, they have this affinity for CO2 extraction. They think it's the best, right? I'll say it flat out right here, right now. No matter which method you employ to do extraction, you can arrive to the same high quality end product. That can be consumed. So th- there's, I mean, you can do CO2 extraction, you can do ethanol extraction, you can do hydrocarbon extraction, which is l- illegal in Utah. Um, you can also press it um, and do more of a physical extraction that way. Um, you can also throw it in a pot with MCT oil, turn up the heat and just let it steep in there and do, they refer to that as a solventless extraction. So really what it came down to was we could either press it, use ethanol or CO2. Really, the reason why we chose CO2 is because of that consumer perception that CO2 is the best, really. And so we chose that method. Another kind of smaller reason is because um, as far as the economics goes, it's a lot, it's pricier up front for the equipment. Uh, for CO2 extraction, but CO2 is much cheaper than ethanol. And so in the long run, CO2 can be cheaper than doing uh, doing an ethanol extraction. Also too, with CO2, I have the ability to manipulate the CO2 to target certain compounds in the plant itself. So if I just want to pull out terpenes, I can fudge my numbers a little bit and all of a sudden I'm pulling pure terpenes. If I want to target uh, more of the cannabinoids, again, I change my parameters and I can get those cannabinoids out. So I, have, I, I do have a, an ability to almost fraction terpenes and cannabinoids, separate them, or I can extract them all together. It really doesn't matter. So there's, there's a lot more, I have more options extracting with CO2 than I, than I would with ethanol. Ethanol is a really uh, strong solvent. And so when you're going to run it through, when you're running hemp through, you're just pulling everything and anything and everything, you're pulling it out. Whereas with CO2, you have more of that flexibility to target certain compounds.
0: This is cool. And this is the same process that we, they extract THC. Exactly. It, it's I mean, exact same.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I if mean, you're doing, if you're doing CO2 extraction on marijuana, it's the same process. Everything that I'm doing in my laboratory, if I had a marijuana processing license, I would just the only difference would be I'd be processing
1: marijuana instead of hemp. Why did no. you get into all this stuff? I mean, what got you into? Uh, I mean, is this <laughs> this is your business, right? Yeah. This is you started all yeah, this. Yeah, I founded this. I mean, cuz you have, I mean, I looked at your education. I mean, you went to uh-huh. BYU the whole 9 yards, yeah. right? I mean, you got great education. Yeah, so What I, got you into this, man? So
2: I started I started a a degree at BYU Idaho, up okay. in Rexburg, and that was in agronomy. Are you guys familiar with what agronomy is? No, what? I'm not. No. no so, I'm agronomy is essentially Large-scale farming, crop production, uh, being able to manage that, knowing plants, plant science, soil science, chemistry, water physics, different things like this. And really, a lot of people don't really understand how intensive and how involved agriculture is. There's a lot of science behind it. So I started my deg- I started my degree up there. Graduated in 2019. No, 2018. It was the end of 2018. Started. My wife and I moved down here to Logan started my master's degree in plant science at Utah State University. And what I was looking at in my master's program is I was actually doing irrigation research on alfalfa.
0: Oh, wow. And
2: uh, most of my research took place down in central Utah, kind of that rich field, center field, uh, Monroe area. I had many fields down there. And so because of that, I would travel a lot. And through my travels... I started my program and then Utah amended their laws, said, All right, we're gonna do this, you know, marijuana hemp, all things cannabis, we're gonna we're gonna do it. And it was really new. And I was traveling the state talking with hemp farmers, you know, because this started popping up. A lot of the growers that I was working with doing alfalfa research, they were interested in hemp growing well of course a small plot, like an acre or half an acre or you know, a couple just hundred plants. Just test it out. Just test just it to... out. Well, they were interested in it because at that time, and this was another thing that kind of this is a whole other mess. A lot of the growers thought, you know, you you could grow an acre of hemp and turn that into sixty thousand dollars. Because that was at the time, idea the crude was was so expensive, so
0: expensive. That
2: ended up not being true, <laughs> and a lot of farmers got burned. Uh, that's a whole other thing, but anyway, so I was traveling, farmers were interested in it. And then these meetings started popping up around the state with legislators, with farmers, with the university. And, you know, this was such a new thing. We're going from black market to now white market. And there was a lot of gaps. There was a lot of doors of opportunity. And so in my travels, I was like, you know what, this might be something I could do. So originally I was actually going to grow. I was going to get some land up in Logan. I was going to grow. I was going to put in 10 acres of, of hemp hemp, of yeah, hemp, hemp. Okay. Yeah. and I was going to grow hemp, you know? Well, looking at the market, seeing how everything was going, I decided that farming was not going to be the best option for me. I, I went through and I looked at how many licenses there were of guys growing, of growing hemp, uh, individuals growing hemp. And I was like, you know what? This is pretty saturated right now why not look at starting a laboratory yeah. so i started looking at all what would be involved you know what are what are successful laboratories in colorado and california and all these other states what are they doing how are they doing it i had no idea going into this i had no idea how involved a laboratory was uh, <laughs> and And I had to learn a lot.
1: So you were halfway into probably putting the thing together and you're like, what did I get myself into? So because of my master's
2: program, learning to be a scientist, I got really good at doing research, you know, pulling up an article, a technical article, reading the article, doing all that. That might be a little overwhelming for a lot of people and, and boring for me. That's what I was doing in my master's program. So I was already used to doing that. So I, every day, Every day I'm reading, every day I'm studying, every day I'm looking to solve a problem. So, you know, one day I would have a certain problem. The next day I'd have a totally different problem and I just would have to solve those problems. Like, okay, I have this, I have this ability to target different compounds through CO2 extraction. How the heck do I do that? Right. You know, especially having no prior experience at another company, I had to figure that out. And so again, Going back to the books, chemistry books, physics books, articles, YouTube, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out how to do this. And eventually I got pretty good at it.
1: Did you meet, were you meeting with anybody that was doing it? Like, did you have any <laughs> m- real I'd life go to Colorado. I went to Colorado okay. a few times. So you had some people out
2: there to but connect with. Me. What I was doing out there was actually hydrocarbon extraction. I didn't, I wasn't doing any CO2 extraction. Okay. And hydrocarbon extraction is fun, but that's not what I was doing. But a lot of the principles of the post-extraction are the exact same. So I was able to do the post-extraction and get more experience that way. But as far as doing extraction with CO2, I mean, I really had to teach myself how to do that.
0: So how did you get out of the lab? I mean, were you thinking about doing a testing lab or a production lab the whole time?
2: Production. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know what an HPLC is? No. High-performance liquid chromatography or high-pressure liquid chromatography.
0: Teach us. It's analytics.
2: Teach teach us, Kyle. So when you, when you send a sample off to be analyzed cannabinoid potency, they run it through an HPLC typically. So I wanted the ability to extract and then take that extract and look at it, see what, look at the chemical analysis of it, see what was in there, see what I was dealing with. Sure. So originally, you know, it was production, but I wanted to put out the best product that I could absolutely put out. So that involved chemical analysis So going, I mean, our lab, we have the full capability to go from raw hemp biomass all the way to something that is water clear and tastes amazing. And that includes, you know, extraction, winterization, distillation, uh, further refinement using chromatographic methods, different things like that. So really, I mean, I, I would have a problem. And I, I would spend the next week or two trying to, or month or longer trying to figure out how to solve that problem. And eventually I got to something like this, which is absolutely phenomenal. Which uh, you're showing us
1: some of the, uh, some cartridges. This is, well, and I'll just throw this to you here. Since we don't have video set up for the so podcast that, yet. Um <laughs> so, so what am I looking at here? I got a container with some white Yeah, so looking- those are
2: those are uh, crystallized cannabinoids. Um awesome. I did the I did the analysis on that actually last night, and it's primarily C B D crystallized out. Um, a lot of times you'll see it in a fine powder, but I wanted to just let these suckers grow and have something pretty cool to to visualize.
0: Yeah, it looks like uh like white rock candy. Yeah. Now, what would
1: happen if you would suck
2: on some of this? Uh you you would just be getting a dose of CBD. Okay, really? Okay. So it's primarily so c- CBD. Okay, that's in here. Yeah, I mean there there are trace amounts of CBDV, THCV, CBN, and CBC in that, but there's non-detectable levels of delta eight and delta nine THC.
0: So, okay, you bring up Delta 8, right? So Delta you, 8. Delta 8 like the big, yeah, it's the big discussion topic. Oh, right Delta, now, 8. Right? <laughs> oh Delta 8. Oh, how
2: I have a love hate relationship with you.
0: I'm sure. <laughs> but you can extract it out. Oh, yeah, I right? can. you have, yeah, it's, you're not the hemp farmer that just got their crop designated as too hot and, right. and so, now has to destroy it. You could just take all that biomass and extract what you oh, need. Oh, boy. So when I get biomass,
2: typically it's, te- it's tests within, maybe 0.31%, 0.29%, whatever. But as long as it's within that tolerance, near 0.3%, the dry biomass. As soon as I take that and process it, and this is a huge problem in extraction. As soon as I take that biomass and run it through my equipment, I turn that from a hemp product right into a marijuana product.
0: Well, yeah, because you took out all the THC and now you have it in a five-gallon bucket over here.
2: Yeah, exactly. So if I'm taking it, if I've got biomass at 0.3% THC, when I extract that into crude, all of a sudden it turns into 3% THC. Designated by law, that's marijuana.
0: What the heck do you do with it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> don't look at me. And, and this is what's your address up there? Yeah, seriously. So this I mean, is the like, thing. Everybody wants your address all of a sudden.
2: <laughs> as soon as I like I said, as soon as I extract that, I'm essentially turning it, taking it from hemp biomass, turning it into marijuana concentrate, essentially. Right. Low THC, Low th- I mean yeah, it's of course. Two, three percent. But if I take that and I start to refine it down even further, if I distill it and I'm doing all these different processes. I've seen as high as 10% THC on the extract itself. I can't put that into a product legally. It's marijuana. And I mean, even my- This is Even like, for example, uh, and I brought these, I can toss these over to you guys. So this is our green cream. Okay. This is
0: like a, this is like so what would you half do? an ounce of a tablespoon-
2: it's, uh, what is
0: it like a lotion seven mils?
2: Uh, it's 0. 0.25 ounces. This is just our sample. Oh. Um, topical, we call it green cream. So you'd rub it on your body yeah. or something. Yeah. What's you can the, rub it on.
0: What's the scent I smell? Uh, other than,
2: a, I mean, I, it's a proprietary blend of oils, Is <laughs> what it. I can tell you,
0: but so, it's like a, a little bit of a lavender. um yeah, lavender, um, lavender,
2: eucalyptus tea tree. And um, mm-hmm. that's kind of what builds that aroma. To kind of
0: overcome the, so the I skunky. Actually,
2: so I actually don't mask any scent. Um, a lot of times in hemp products, and we can talk about this down the road, a lot of times, especially in tinctures, they're always trying to mask just yeah, kind of skunk. that, that skunky, dirty taste. With our products and our tinctures, I'm not masking. And the reason why is because the way that I refine it. So... Our tinctures when you take it and it's a cinnamon tincture, you taste cinnamon and you don't have those undertones of kind of that dirty extract. So it, it's a little bit different but anyway, so okay we're back to the yeah we're back THC. to the THC thing. So even even in this, which our green cream is what the cannabinoid is, is the greatest dilution. So when we put our cannabinoids into this green cream, it's that's how we dilute it the most in this product. Even at ten percent, that's it gets pretty difficult to dilute that. It is, so by law, I have to be really careful. In so, if I extract a product and I have this oil, that and if the farmer legally owns that liter of oil, unless they have a processor's license, they cannot possess their crude extract. What? And so there's there's all these problems with, you know, a farmer as a service, as a laboratory, if they're bringing it to me and they say, Hey, I want you to extract this and I want my oil. The first thing I say to them is, do you have a processor's license? And most of the time they'll say, no, it's, you know, two grand for a hemp processing license. And I say, okay, if that's the case, if I extract this for you and you want to possess this legally, you cannot possess your extract because it's hot. It's a marijuana product essentially.
0: Because it's gone through it was legal before and now it's extracted it, and concentrated. And now it's illegal for them to possess it. Exactly. What do they do?
2: Well, most of them don't buy a processor's license. And so they have to find someone who to, will process it for them. Who will either process it for them or where they can store it.
0: Oh, so you could process it and store it. Oh, because yeah. you have I a can. I have the license. So they could say, okay, you can store it until I have a contract to give it to, you right. know to sell it to somebody else right. and then it can go from your lab to whoever and someone else to bottle it and, yep. and put it into products and they yep. can sell it. Yeah. How often are you doing that?
2: Mm, I haven't. Okay, not one time. I've accept Why? I've accepted jars from uh-huh. other processors because the processors want to get it out of their place and farmers come to me in a frantic you know, trying to get, trying to find a place for this. So I, I, a lot of times I've accepted it to store it for them, but I have never had one of those individuals come to me and say, Hey, I need this to go to this other processor. Cause they're going to put it in a product for me.
0: So is this like the big, this is one of, this is one seems of, like one of the big issues oh, with, yeah. the, with hemp growing, hemp processing and like the pathway yeah. to market.
2: Especially too, because if you take a leader, or a kilo of crude extract in order to get it ready to be in a product itself, you're looking at 1500 to two grand in order to refine it that much to be product ready. Cause it's got to go through all those different steps of distillation, you know, winterization distillation does it have pesticides in it. Well, if it does, that's another grand cause you got to get the pesticides out. If it doesn't, well, we still have to get the THC out. You're still looking at twelve hundred, fifteen grand or fit um yeah, 12 1500
0: to, 1500.
2: to get those to get that THC out. Can you do that? Can you get the THC yes. out and
0: give it back to them?
2: Yes, I can do that, but farmers, a lot of them, don't want to pay the price in order to get the THC removed.
0: Because at that point their crude's not not as valuable. I mean, right. I and mean, they have paid more. Okay, than- so for would.
2: example, a broad spectrum product, a kilo of broad spectrum. Once, two years ago, twenty grand. Okay, today, three.
0: Oh wow! wow.
2: And it costs them twenty five hundred dollars to get to that point, and their yeah. so their profit margin is terrible at that point. That's besides take the it
0: growing, problem, right? That's besides all, and the yeah. and the. I mean, most that stuff most down of the time, most of, work.
2: of the time, once you go through the economics to get it to that point. Taking into consideration the growing, the process, the extraction, the processing, most of the time they're upside down.
0: What's the answer? What's the solution? Let <laughs> let them let them possess a ten percent of a four percent I mean, THC I'm product? I'm really
2: excited about who was it? Rand Paul. He proposed different legislate or new legislation to go from 03 percent to one percent as a hemp product. I mean, that's awesome. Oh, that but would be still. huge.
0: And I guess eventually. Eventually we've got to have the, the markets mix, right? We've right. got to have the 0.3% mix with the, with the high THC content. And we've right. got to be able to go to the, even if it is the dispensary, right? We've well, got to be able to go there and buy, buy everything I mean, in between. That's already happening. At the dispensaries. Well,
1: high percent, high percentage
2: what's CBD, hap- right? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's happening is that processors, hemp processors are taking extracts or they're taking isolate and they're com- chemically converting it to Delta-9 or Delta-8. And then that's getting into the medical market.
0: Oh, whoa. Okay. You can take a crude hemp product and you can convert it into a higher THC yes. product? Yes. Do you want to... I mean, do you have a YouTube video on how to do no. this?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> Those are proprietary methods.
0: Right. And But there are... I've heard of this before. Yeah. I'm. I'm yeah. This is something I've heard of because... Yeah. And it's the... If I'm right, is it the CBG is the golden the golden ticket to, no. to get it over there, or you can take CBD and make it into THC?
2: CBD is typically what people are people are using to to convert uh, to convert into, into, into delta nine and delta eight, and that is happening right now in Utah, and there are products out there that were sourced from CBD. There are high THC products that were originally sourced from CBD.
0: And now they're tested in the wild. dispensaries. This is kind of wild, Chris. Yep. Everybody we bring
1: about... on here, we find out something new. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's, it's. I'm so grateful that we have this podcast to uh, be able to learn.
0: Yeah, really. Because I mean, cool. I'm learning along
1: with you guys. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So... This is
0: pretty cool. And I see, but we're getting the pieces. That's what's so cool is we, we've gotten a couple of other pieces, and this is just another piece. Re- really,
2: part. what needs to happen is that professionals from the industry need to come together with legislators to educate the legislators of really what the heck's going on
0: and what what reality looks like. Uh, Who was it last episode?
2: Who was it last Uh, episode that you had on uh, Katie? Oh, Katie Katie, Barber. Yeah. You know, like we really, there just needs to be this large committee of industry professionals, regulators, and legislators. And we need to sit down and we need to hash all this out in order to clear up what the heck's going
1: on? Well, then, plus once they <laughs> open it up to more testing and more uh, research studies, Because right. there's not enough of that going on right now. Right. It's just people like yourself that are doing the little bits of stuff yeah. you're doing,
0: right? Like you're imagine taking, once that opens up, right? Yeah, and you're taking things from you've had to learn this from scratch, yeah. Which, like Utah State, great example of a, an amazing agriculture school. A lot of farming mm-hmm. going on up there, and and teaching one of the best schools in the nation, right? For for agriculture and right and animal farming and that type of thing, right? Right. right. And they do they have a cannabis program? Up they there? do.
2: So actually, um, are you familiar with Dr. Bruce Bugby? Uh uh So he's typically he typically is uh, looking at a lot of stuff with NASA. He does a lot of research with agriculture and NASA and space and and whatnot. But he took on so it was about mid year last year in two thousand. Well, no, it it would have been in 2019 when they, when the program started, but what they started doing is they started, um, growing hemp. Uh, they were doing a lot of Trump variety, uh, anyway, but what they were looking at was, you know, how does light affect, uh, growth? How does light affect the cannabinoid concentration in the plant itself? What happens when we stress it, nutrients, water, whatever. So they were doing a lot of that, but they're not, Medically, they're not looking at you know how are cannabinoids interacting in the body, what's going on there. I do know that the University of Utah is doing studies. They're looking at how to. There was one study I was trying to get on board with it to be a a subject, and they were looking at. I think they were dosing the they were doing ten milligram doses of CBD with a zero THC, a five and a so basically a one to one. And then the reverse where there was 10 milligrams of THC and zero milligrams of CBD. And they were doing brain scans to try to look to see how those compounds uh, were affecting signals in the brain. And I, I do know that they're doing periodic studies like that. And you can actually sign up to be a subject uh, and go through that, whether or not you're actually going to be getting THC, no, CBD. Like it, a lot, they'll like choose. A lot you that. might be getting a placebo, but whatever. But they're doing studies like that because they because they want to understand how is this affecting the brain, uh, right. what kind of brain signals can we read through an MRI? I I don't know if they're doing an MRI scanner, cat scanner, what they're but they're doing something.
0: So what products do you have, other than the green cream? Yeah, like what products do you so do you sell? <laughs> I really just
2: started our retail in December. I said you know what heck we're going to do this we're going to go for it. So our very first product that we are putting out on the market, which we are still getting certified, is actually these vape carts. I'll pass these to you guys.
1: So I'm looking at some Indica Purple Punch, it says. Clean Leaf, Ultra Pure Broad Spectrum. Yep. One thing you'll notice about that
2: is the content or the the uh, concentration of cannabinoids is outlined right there on the front
0: I know this is pretty cool this is something that I always love so we I are, love it about Zion medicinal right you know, I like it about this when you're labeling out your cannabinoids yep. it means something of a sophistication in your ability to produce a product in right. my opinion right if you're just you know just put CBD and THC on there yeah that's fine so, but, but this is cool. CBD? So one of the things that we're
2: really striving for is standardization. That's a big thing for me is that with each different batch that I produce, it's standardized and you're not going to get batch variation because that's one of the things that bugs the consumer the most. They'll take an edible one time, they'll feel great. The next time they take it, they didn't feel anything. It's like what happened? Yeah, exactly. What,
0: this is, it's so true. And this one has so this one has 500 milligrams of CBD. CBG 100 milligrams, CBC 25, CBN, CBDV, THCV 25. So this this is a pretty good broad spectrum product. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you've got 100 milligrams of CBG in here is pretty impressive. Yeah. Are you getting? Is this all hemp grown in Utah?
2: So that is, we take it in our laboratory and we refine it down to the point where we have individual compounds that then we can make the
0: product okay so this is uh, that's how I'm making that but that's all vape cartridges right like no. almost all no <laughs> a recipe what, no. I'm, what I'm saying is like it's a recipe you get these you get these compounds right. you put them in that's, that's what, what, I'm what doing. you're t- you're doing because you want consistency yes I think that's that's a important. lot of
2: times you'll go to a dispensary you'll go to a vape shop and you'll see a product and it'll say something like, 500 milligrams total cannabinoids. And it's very ambiguous and you don't really know what you're You're like, what does this even mean? Yeah, exactly. And a a lot of times what companies, individuals, whomever is making that product, they're just taking it to a certain point in the refinement process saying, that's good enough. Let's put it in a cart and let's go. So each cart that you're going to get from that company, you're probably going to have a different experience with, Maybe it tastes like crap. Maybe it doesn't. Who knows?
0: Well, you can just add a little terpenes. Well, yeah. And then it'll taste fine.
2: Right. So, but it, what we've really tried to do is one, this is a pure product. When you look at a chromatogram, a chemical analysis, what you're going to see is you're going to see those
1: cannabinoids. That's it. Um, this was
0: cool. How yeah. about terpenes? You don't have terpenes listed.
1: Yeah, I do. I'm purple punch. So, but what the name is, the names of the terpenes, is that what you mean? Or the kinds of terpenes?
0: Yeah. Okay. Explain, explain that. Te- teach me so a little this bit is, about-
1: So this is purple punch genetic variety of terpenes.
2: So this is w- w- when you've got, I don't know, what are, a so frosted sky or you've got Skywalker or something. Uh-huh. Those are genetic varieties of cannabis. They're going to have a certain- um ratio of different terpenes
0: got it so you have the terpene profile of purple punch yes okay that makes sense and then if you
2: want to see hey what are the individual terpenes themselves that's when you go and you look at a coa and you can see that chemical analysis
0: can you add and subtract terpenes as well sure because you could you could essentially look up the profile of purple punch and make sure that you're dialed in yeah right oh yeah okay that's
2: you can really manipulate it however you want if I really wanted to, I could make a clean leaf kush, you know, right. and have it be a certain flavor essentially. If right. I wanted to, I don't really have any interest in doing that, but yeah, oh yeah, you can manipulate that product any anyway.
0: Man, this is <laughs> I don't think people understand the complexity <laughs> of like cannabis at this point in in history. Yeah. Right? Like we have we really have moved beyond, you know, drying it right. out, rolling it up and now are you doing this Light all by
1: yourself match. or do you got like employees or people? I mean, you're not the one packaging. You got it like an outside source. A lot packager. of it's okay.
0: me. Okay. A lot most of, it is, of it's most me. Most
2: of it is you. Yeah. Wow. Yep. What's the plan? Well, I'm small. Yeah. You know? Well, if I, you're I, doing the
0: most of this yourself. Yeah, right? I'm
2: a small time, you know, my own lab is small, my production line is small. Um, is it in your
1: basement or what?
2: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a I have a location okay. where I have to do everything. But our, which our facility is actually, um, so we're licensed with Utah to process. We're also CGMP compliant. We're not certified, but we're compliant. Meaning we follow all those standards. We're also food grade certified in Utah. So our facility where we manufacture these products are done in a food facility, a food, a food, uh, food grade, food grade facility. Yeah. That's cool. That is cool. That was a pain getting it to that point. Just putting up there. I mean even to the flip and ceiling tiles and what those had to be. And oh man. But yeah. Yeah, a lot of it a lot of the research and develop pretty much all the research and development I do, product design, getting it to that point, what it's going to look like, what are the cannabinoids, the flavor profile, everything like that.
1: Where do you see this in 5 years? I mean, would you like to get into more THC? Would you like to get oh, into Oh, I growing? would love to go to medical. Okay. So you'd oh, yeah. like to eventually get so
2: into So uh... I would I would love to see this build up here in Utah and be a household name. Okay. People know what clean leaf is. They trust it. They know that they're going to get the same experience every single time going back to that standardization of the products. Mm-hmm. But what I'd really like to do is, uh, I'd really like to become a marijuana processor okay. and start to put this quality of products onto the market, onto the medical, onto the market. medical market.
0: How, what's the next step for you to get there?
2: built clean leaf up.
0: (laughs) And then so that other so that the growers come to you and say
2: I mean I I know a lot of the medical growers and also the processors. Really it's it I mean my biggest hurdle is a hundred thousand dollars in licensing.
0: For the processing license.
2: Just the license alone is a hundred grand.
0: How many are they restricted for processing processing? Or could you, Could you? if you had a hundred grand, you could go out and you could get a license?
2: So the only license that they restrict is the cultivator's license. I, what is it? Eight?
0: Yeah. The cultivators and then the, the retail, right? So there's 14 sure. authorized retail licenses and there are eight authorized growers. Yeah.
2: From my understanding, they do not restrict the amount of processors. That's my understanding too. Which I... So who would be Don't considered? is that.
1: like Boojum a processor, right? They're yeah, like a processor. They have and, a processing and, and license. And I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think yep. of the, the the people that have. Uh,
2: Boojum, uh, I believe Wasatch Extraction. Okay, um, mm-hmm.
0: And then Zion has their own. Yeah, extra- their, their a own lot of processing. the cultivators.
2: They actually also, in addition to their cultivation license, they've also gone through and gotten a processor's
0: license, which kind of makes it uh, it makes it an interesting risk for somebody <laughs> like you, where you have right. Zion and Wholesome, and they're going to have their own processing. Yeah. You know, are they going to be able to keep up with their own processing? Are they going to want to to white label other people's hemp right. or convert some? Hamp over into some right. uh, some THC crude. Well, all these calculations and
2: a big a big uh, hurdle for me. One is the hundred thousand dollars to get the license, but then the availability of biomass. Am I going to have access to marijuana biomass in order to process, turn it into a product? Those are because the big hurdles. it's
0: too much money to take CBD and convert it over. Oh no, it's it's pretty dang cheap. So you need. I mean, you could essentially take any biomass. However,
2: however. Yes, I could, but the problem is, and the reason, a big reason of why you don't see hemp products in uh, the pharmacies is because in order for me to get this into a pharmacy, uh, let's just say this was a a high THC cartridge. I made it in my facility. This would have to go through a cultivation license because of the MJ freeway platform. So on the medical side of things, everything is tracked from seed to sale. So it goes in the ground. There's a, there's a serial number that's associated with it. It's tracked in MJ freeway. It come you know, it comes time for harvest. Again, it's all being traced th- from seed through processing, through manufacturing to consumer.
0: Oh, this. Okay. So let me, let me see if I've got this straight. So if I have a farm and I have a, an acre of hemp mm-hmm. that wasn't, Spe- specifically put in the ground in MJ freeway in yep, the software, yep. then I can't inject that into your lab and put it in the dispensary because it could have came from anywhere. Exactly. And the only
2: way that you can get around that is if you're working with a cultivator that they want to work with you and say, and so yeah, they I'll buy that- your biomass and then they can put it in through their system as, um, well, we'll, we'll go back to the THC from CBD. If I take CBD, convert it chemically converted into THC, I have to sell that as hemp waste. That is sold to a cultivator who can then put it in the system as we bought this from this company as hemp waste. And uh, you know, there's a chemical analysis that's associated with it whatever. Then they can take that, they can manufacture and do whatever they want with it. But they don't have to tell the consumer that hey, this is how this is how it got to you. Oh, I see. See what I'm that's
0: saying. That's the that's kind of what we talked to Mike Rodriguez about with the smokable flower. Yeah. yeah, that's oh, how that's a, smokable yeah. hemp flour gets into the gets into the dispensaries and the pharmacies. Is so. As, as but hemp-based. are
2: we seeing smokable flour? I mean, I think hemp. there's. I think I there's haven't seen some, any
0: at
1: any of the local dispensaries. Right. No.
0: I've heard of. I've heard of some Have at, you? at Dragonfly. I, I saw I okay. CBG, some G,
1: but not CBD.
0: Yes. The Matterhorn. I think you can buy some Matterhorn. Yeah. So it's been,
2: it's been really difficult to take hemp flower and go through all these hoops and get it onto the medical market.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure there's any money in it, but I, but I, but I I know it's being done.
2: Hemp flower for an eighth is 20 bucks. Something like that. Sounds good to me.
0: I mean, if that's what they should be selling eighth- it all for. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so we but we're paying in high school.
2: You know, if if I was doing that I, myself, I probably wouldn't buy it because a lot of it isn't being handled correctly, and so you're getting a lot of that that terpene profile. You're losing a lot of that along the way because it's not being cured properly. It's not being stored properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the growers have a long way to go learning how to do
0: all of this. This has been, this has been a fun conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you have a family? Do you ever see them? It seems like this no, take a lot of your time. It does.
2: But you love it. Yeah, I do love it. I, you know, had you asked me five years ago that I'd be in the marrow in the cannabis yeah, I mean, industry, yeah. I, I probably would have laughed in your face. <laughs> like, Yeah, Whatever.
0: Well, you were yeah. in, were you in Rexburg at the time or down at BYU? Oh yeah, I was,
2: I was in Rexburg
1: at the time.
0: Yeah. And before that you were at BYU and no way you'd right. that, Yeah. yeah. Oh, six years from now. Yeah. Go. You don't have
1: to give names, but I bet you there's a lot of pot smokers at Rexburg.
0: I don't care. Oh, probably. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, <laughs> there,
1: there's drug bus up there. There's some, uh, same I'm thing sure with BYU, farmers.
0: I'm
2: sure there's <laughs> still
1: some people down there. That...
2: But you know, really when I moved down here to Utah and all this, I mean, this all happened as I was transitioning from BYU, Idaho to Utah State University all this happened. And I looked at it as a door of opportunity Oh, of course. to get into something that's brand new. I could really take it wherever I wanted to go. I mean, sky's the limit. And so for me, I could have been stuck working as an agronomist trying to sell fertilizer to a farmer, or I could have been hired onto a big scale farm privately and been consulting that way. Or I could determine my own fate by
1: starting a small business and trying to build it up. See, and the first one sounds kind of boring.
0: Yeah. So but like, at least, well, well, I mean, at least it's but,
1: secure, but well, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, at least you get you, what you're doing is exciting, man. It is. And it's yeah, it is exciting. And, right. and the opportunity
0: is huge. Yeah. Even if, you know, the knowledge that you're getting and the, the experience of the process yeah. and, and learning it all, whether or not your company gets, gets bought or you, you join somebody else or right. you do this yourself. It, like you say, the the sky is really the limit. Yep. There's no question about yeah. it. So um, so do you modify the terpene profile at all?
2: Uh in that one, no. But, but if I wanted to, yes.
0: So from time to time you will, yeah. depending on if it lines up exactly with, with what, what I you want to do. Yeah. Oh yeah, so that's this is a- nice. This is very purple punchy. Oh yeah. To me, yeah, I like,
1: feel I, I don't know if it's just in my head or what, but I feel like it's like calm me down. You a little should,
2: bit. You, you should feel this.
1: Yeah, like just kind of like a little bit of like, okay.
2: I've I've spent eighteen months in research and development to get to that.
0: Yeah, this is like product testing. I I think we should put this in, Chris, because well, let's okay, so we're because testing- really we are testing a CBD product. We're testing a hemp product. Uh, this is, this isn't something you would need a medical card for. Nope. Yeah. So let, so you have the indica purple punch as well. Yeah. I have the indica purple punch and it's, and I've, uh, you know, and I'm like, I'm familiar enough with purple punch yeah. that it, this does, it, it has that flavor. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, well, purple have that punch flavor.
2: is what granddaddy purple and grape ape. That's the, it's the genetic cross between those two.
0: Yeah. And it's a, I mean, it's a strong indica uh-huh. type strain. It's going to be very calming. Yep. Can be a little heavy. Anything with "gorilla" in the name <laughs> is going to be heavy, in <laughs> right, my opinion. Right, right, and and the purples. Yeah. So we tell patients, you know, purples, gorillas, uh, hazes. Yeah. They tend to be better for pain. Yeah. They tend to be a little heavier. So when you're looking for names, if you if you, now so and it's we, totally anecdotal because people will name something haze that's really right, not, but right. but in general. So, and
2: as you can see on our little card, it set sa- it clearly says indica on it. So we're either going to label it sativa hybrid or indica. So for the consumer, I mean, yeah, it should don't- be understood that hey, an indica is more of a downer. Um, and this, we also do. I I do an educational blog. Um, just started. Where is that at? On our website, mindcleanleaf.com. Not published yet. Okay. Yet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Was, well, so we so why published? don't you send it to us actually, and we'll, that you we'll, see we'll that, publish it on utahmarijuana.org. I did try or. to go to
1: mycleanleaf.com. There was nothing there
2: yet. Yeah. So we our domain was actually hosted by GoDaddy. Okay. And my wife's cousin decided, he convinced me to change it over to another platform. Host hey, so, <laughs> Yeah. So since we're switching platforms uh, right now, yeah. uh, we essentially had to rebuild the website. Right. And I wasn't quite ready to oh. release. I was trying so hard this week to get it so that I could- release it from if you, this well, this, if this
0: will go up next week. Next week. So, so by yeah, next yeah. week, it yeah. should be up. So yeah, this, yeah. And we can yeah. put a link on the podcast, Yeah, you know, on the podcast at utahmarijuana.org. So our, my
2: first blog post um, actually was, is titled what happens or what do I do if my cart crystallizes? That's my very first blog post. These are very prone to crystallization due to the nature of their purity because they're so pure, so concentrated It'll it'll crystallize. So anyway, I put up a blog post. What what do you do if your cart crystallizes? It's not an indication of defective of a defective product. Uh, it's actually an indication of purity. And there's three different methods you can do at home to get it back into a liquefied state.
0: Like the blow dryer.
2: Yeah, blow dryer is not very good because it doesn't get hot enough. I oh, see. A- um, so I actually I tell people, hey, if you've got 15 bucks, go to Harbor Freight and get a heat gun. And that's a good idea. Yeah. They go up there. It's a thousand Watts, um, 15 bucks, two settings. One's a, I think the first setting goes to 700 degrees Fahrenheit. The other one goes to a thousand degrees, just blow torch it. Essentially the other method, which I prefer. And I prefer that people use is actually taking a mug, uh, filling it halfway up with water, throw it in the microwave, heat it up until it's practically boiling. Take your cart, put it in a Ziploc baggie, Make sure all the air's out, and then dunk it into that water for a minute, and it'll sous-vide. be done. Yeah, it's sous vide. <laughs> sous vide your yeah. cart. Yeah, that's a great idea, actually. Yeah, and it's it's actually a lot of uh, people have seen that, and they said, "Hey, you know, I have this other cart, not from you, it's someone else. And oh, sure. I, I thought it was junk. I was ready to throw away. I saw your post, and I went and did it, and my cart's totally great." Can use it and get the last of it out.
0: And you can learn a thing or two on Utah in the weeds. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and then eventually when your
2: website's uh, yeah. up. Yeah. So
1: I mean, are you on Facebook? Can our people at least connect to yeah, you? Yeah, we're on Facebook. Facebook, we're on too, Instagram. Instagram too. I mean, like, again, it's,
2: it's it's pretty much me that's managing it. So Yeah. Be patient. Thing, yeah, yeah, be, be yeah. patient. I've got a lot. I'm torn in a million different directions yeah, sure. all the time. But, you know, I finally got to a point where we have these. One thing you'll notice on those. So again, you know, going back to it clearly states what the concentration is of the cannabinoids, what you're getting in this product. The other thing is on the back, uh, you see all those red circles. So it doesn't contain uh, vitamin E or alpha-tocopheryl acetate, MCT oil, PG, PEG, or VG, or lecithin. And those are common uh, ingredients that are cut into cartridges to help them stabilize, essentially, are you guys familiar with uh, e-Valley? I'm not. No. Or um, exogenous lipoidal pneumonia? A no. Uh, no. Oh, come on, guys. Well, I would expect
0: <laughs> Tim would be before he's the, COVID. He's the, he's the medical I mean, guy. Yeah. Guys. Are you kidding me? Before COVID, we are all three of us <laughs> too busy for this stuff. You know. <laughs> so before COVID, what was there? Well, there was the before there was co- the vaping. Yeah, there was the vape the vape lung. Yes, there's vape lung. Yes. Yeah, and that I, I mean I because, do have an associate up at the University of Utah who wrote some articles yes. about it. Yes, so i I have spent many
2: hours digging through the research trying to find what they know about e-Valley or exogenous lipoidal pneumonia.
0: Oh yes, okay, got it. So now, now I'm following you. These
2: ingredients that I've you know listed here crossed out, they have found a connection between these ingredients, these cutting agents, and vaping and the lipoidal pneumonia. And so that's one thing as a consumer, you really need to have that awareness of your product of what is actually in your cartridge because you don't want to end up in the hospital. No,
0: absolutely you know, not. it
2: is never a good thing to vape a cart that has MCT oil in it because what you're doing is you're vaporizing those fat globules. Those are going down into your lungs and could potentially lead to e They've
1: sold me carts at dispensaries here with MCT yes, oil. Yeah. Have.
0: MCT oil is, this is a controversial topic that, that Kyle has brought up. <laughs> you said that and I was like, wait yeah, right? a minute yeah. here. And, and I, and I'm going to say, so is that not healthy I, for you well, then? I appreciate the yeah. opinion. And I think that this is the discussion that we could have. Right. We could, we could really dig into. Right. I would want to have the discussion with the alternative. Yeah. Right. Because there are some really bad cutting agents. Right. Compared to MCT yes. as well, right? There are right. So it's especially vitamin E. That's, yes, that's And a, we eliminated a huge vitamin one. E in order to kind of go to MCT right. oil. And so, so what's the best? There's then? always this. There's always <laughs> this debate on is the is the risk associated with the with right. the product you know equal to eliminating it or or justify eliminating it or using right. it instead of what's your alternative? Right. So now, if you want to go all the way. Okay. Let's yeah. el- let's eliminate MCT. Yeah. And th- and that's what I did, is yeah. I just said, look, these
2: are, you know, from what I have found, this these are products that are associated with E. Yes. Valley or yep. with exogenous lipoid like ammonia. I so said let's stay away from I them altogether. I said let's altogether. stay away from them. I don't want that liability.
0: Well, yeah, I commend you. Yeah. I mean, this has been this has been super cool. I mean, you've brought the crystals, we've got the cream, we've got these vape carts. We've, we've learned a ton about extraction. And we haven't even got him. Mean, he's a patient too.
1: You're, you're oh, a, yeah. We yeah. haven't he's got patient. My into My card your patient. actually expired. I have to renew it.
0: Oh, <laughs>
2: okay. Well, you, you but, are in the but, right place. But what I was, what I was saying is, um, so when I was living up in Idaho, when I was in Rexburg, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, uh-huh. and, which is essentially a diagnosis of exclusion the universe UCLA and i think it's the university of uh, michigan i want to say they partnered and they came up with a blood test in order to provide a diagnosis uh, of fibromyalgia well i ended up doing it and i the way that they mark it is from a 0 to 100 if your score is higher than i think it was 60 or 50 or 60 then essentially you have fibromyalgia I think mine was like 80-something. So that they were like, yeah, you, you've got fibromyalgia. So that chronic pain is a big reason of what guided me into getting into the cannabis industry. I wanted to be able to find relief for myself, but I wanted to be able to provide products to people that were affordable, that were clean, that were standardized, and that they could find relief in. Um, and that's really what motivated me to get into this industry. That's, that's awesome. Really cool.
1: Yeah. Well, anything else? I mean, anything else you want to ask him, or anything else you want to talk to? Him I mean, about? Could, anything else you want? We I mean, to we can be back? here all.
0: We could be yeah. here all. Day. I know, and I think we ought to bring you back because yeah. I, I'm interested to see how this goes yeah. after the legislative session and the mm-hmm. cannabinoid. You know, their meeting. That things will change. They'll right. tweak. And so it'd be a good thing to, to bring you back and see what changes have been made over time Yeah, and how, frankly, how you're doing, yeah. how, yeah, how no, the I mean, education's yeah. going, how the master's program's <laughs> yeah. going. Well, I actually,
2: so I I'm actually took a that. long-term leave of absence on the master's side, uh, in order to focus on this and get it up and running. Huh, uh, cool. So I, I did a full year, did all my, re- did my field work, my research, and then put it on pause. So I still have my dissertation and my, you know, I have to still write my thesis and everything. But for now, this is, this is where I'm at. This is my focus. That's That's
0: way cool. So So
1: mycleanleaf.com is your website, mycleanleaf on, on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. People go connect with them there.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, you can get a hold of me at utahmarijuana.org and, uh, you know, we'll have your, we'll have this podcast up, um, utahmarijuana.org slash podcast. Uh, and we'll have a link hopefully to your, to your blog article. Yeah. And That's then you the best place to get a hold of me. How about you, Chris? And then
1: you can listen to my other podcast, I am Salt Lake Podcast, I am Salt Lake.com. Go listen to it. I did want to mention though, let me give our voicemail number here just one more time because I want I want people to call it up. If you ever have questions for Tim or myself or about the podcast or anything, we want to hear from you. You can even shoot it a text if you want. Nobody will ever pick this number up. 385 215 9557. So All give right. that a call, leave a voicemail. All right, everybody, be safe out there. Maybe we'll play it on the podcasting. Yep, be safe out there. All right.